Welcome to Fanboy News Network, your guide to geek culture. I'm Jeff Harris. And I'm Daniel Christensen. So, uh, you know, it's been a bit. Well, it's been a month. We're doing a monthly schedule. Uh, last episode, I ran into so many problems getting it out. It it <laughs> actually released a week and a half after we recorded it. Well, things happen. Things happen. So uh, it's there's there's so a lot has happened since last we were recorded. True. Very true. And uh, let's uh, let's get into it. So uh, I guess first off, have you seen anything interesting recently, movie wise? Who me? Yeah, you. Uh, well, uh, sound the horns, ladies and gentlemen. I believe we an Oscar contender has entered the ring. Uh, got to see All Is True. Uh, for those non-Shakespeare geeks out there, All Is True is Kenneth Branagh, Judy Dench, and Sir Ian McKellen playing, respectively, uh, William Shakespeare, Shakespeare's wife, and Shakespeare's old lover. Uh, as Shakespeare, after Shakespeare retires back to Stratford, uh, after the Globe Theater burned down in 1613. Wow. It was lovely and beautiful and amazing. And it took me until about a half an hour in to realize that it was actually Kenneth Branagh as Shakespeare and not just as the director. Um, yeah, quite good, quite enjoyable all the way around. All right. Well, so you uh, you saw something good and highbrow. Yes. Uh, I don't think any of the movies I've seen since well last we uh, were together. I can say the only thing I can say about the movies I've seen since we last recorded is I saw each and every one at the drive-in. Ooh, Joe Bob Briggs would be proud of you. He would. Well, what's interesting, actually, you bring up Joe Bob Briggs. Um, one of the movies I saw with Tony Case, who is the producer of the Video Nasty Project, yes. which is the YouTube series where I uh, occasionally appear and provide critique. Yes. We recorded a bumper for one of the Video Nasties uh, at that because it gave him a chance. He had a movie screen behind him. There you go. Uh, what we saw together, because Tony and I have had a long tradition Generally, I'm going to go seeing certain horror movies together, which is to say anytime there was a new Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween, or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, the classics. Yeah. When there was a slasher film, we'd go see them together. Mm -hmm. uh, this was not a slasher film. Okay. It was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You know, I, I, I think that that fits in well. I mean, I mean, if you look at it from sheer body count, Godzilla tops all of them. Right. Now, last time you and I had been joking about my plans to go see this movie, since I said I was saying it as God intended. In a drive-in, yeah. yes. And you'd said, in Japan? It's like, as American intended. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, the theater, there was quite a few people. Well, the drive-in theater always gets an audience. Yes, that's what I love about it. And uh, so on the movie front, it was an interesting... How do I say this? I think Steve Barnes put it best. It wasn't a good movie, but it was an almost perfect kaiju film. Okay, yeah, I can buy that. And yeah, it got a lot of bad reviews because people like, well... The, there was a lot of monster fights and uh, not a lot of development of the human characters. Why? Why would there need to be development of the human characters? You need human characters to stand there and go, the monster is attacking Tokyo! And that's it. Really? Yeah. In fact, I was like, I could have used a little less of the family drama from the human characters. Exactly. That, it gets I, in the way. Yeah, I was there for... Hey, look, giant monsters, giant monsters I recognize. Yes. This wasn't Godzilla versus something eh, they came up with in America. This was Godzilla, Rodan, Ghidra, and Mothra. Of, as God intended. Yeah. And anything really dealing with them was fantastic. The director had a great visual eye for what these uh creatures needed as far as wow that looked really good oh wow that scene is just really beautifully shot of these monsters fighting each other oh he's really understanding how they should be presented which is all i wanted exactly 
one brief interjection, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of Godzilla reminds me, for if on the odd chance there are people listening to us who are not familiar with geek culture as it relates to Washington State. Um, fun fact, there is a small town of Zilla, Washington. Uh, Z-I-L-L-A-H. It's a... It, it's part of the flat state you fly over. It's it's eastern central eastern Washington. Um, come to find out, there is a particular brand and denomination of Christianity where they the names of their churches are Church of God wherever. So it's like Church of God Seattle or Church of God Bellingham or whatever. There's a town of Zilla, which means that that particular church is the Church of Godzilla. Um, in a surprising turn of fate, they actually decided to embrace this. Uh, and several years ago for the 4th of July parade, they made a seven foot tall wireframe T-Rex slash Godzilla like creature holding a cross in, and they entered that in the parade because it was the church of Godzilla. And I still, they still have it all these years later. It is like parked in the back behind, but it has become like a pilgrimage site. People want to go see the Church of Godzilla. And it, it, it's, it, it warms my flinty, flinty black heart, let me just say. There you go. There. All right. Come, come to Washington, see Godzilla. The Church of Godzilla. The Church of Godzilla. So the next movie I saw, yes. Men in Black International. Oh, oh. So, this was interesting. It's part of the Men in Black franchise. Of course. Set in-universe. Emma Thompson uh, exists in this movie as the through character from the last movie. Emma Thompson can exist anywhere she damn well wants, but that's just me. So, so there was a couple things I found really interesting with this. Uh, One was someone in Hollywood just decided, hmm... Shortcut to chemistry. Just cast two actors that have already worked well together. In this case, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Exactly. Only, really, it's Tessa's movie. Chris is there as backup. Well, do you really think that Michael Douglas was in charge of the Romancing the Stone movies? No, people were there for Kathleen Turner. Yeah. So, uh, as an entry into the series, really good job. Mm -hmm. Uh... Uh, Kamel Najani, um, I always, I'm sure I mangled his last name. I always do. Uh, comedian used to do a uh, comedy show on Comedy Central with Jonah Ray. Steals the scene, uh, the steals the whole movie as the voice of an alien character who teams up with our our main characters and is their sidekick throughout the movie. They do a remarkable that that is a that is another through line as far as the the MIB universe. It seems there's there's always an entertaining, plucky young alien of some stripe. Yeah. So, not a great film by any stretch, but it didn't need to be. I was entertained by it. Yes. And just a good entrance into that series and a good continuation. And if I think it also showed that you can continue that series based on premise alone. And it doesn't matter if Will Smith is in the movie or not. Well, you know, Will Smith has done it. He, he launched the series. But in time, I mean, it's not like uh, Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, it's one of those things where... If it's a solid enough series, they should be able to pass the torch. Yeah. And and I think they showed they could. Again, it's just, oh, we're going to go to another MIB office. There's mm-hmm. going to be new personnel. Yep. And let's go. And the great thing was these characters were not meant to be one-for-one transfers of the previous characters. Right. They were new characters in the universe, and that was fine. So I enjoyed it. And then the final entrant into my my trilogy of I went to the drive-in to see. And here's the thing. Premiere weekend on all of them. Nicely done. Spider-Man Far From Home. Ah, yes. So the latest entrance into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The final film of Phase 3. Uh, which means also the final film of what they have decided to term the Infinity Saga. Okay, sure. Which is about how long it felt like getting through 22 movies, but okay. 
So, uh, and uh, just the next, and I see why they, they lay a couple of hints about what might be coming next. But mostly it was, hey, we're going to do Spider-Man, but we're going to take him outside of his normal uh, comfort zone of New York City. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, because you start with like Guardians of the Galaxy looking after the entire galaxy. And then you narrow it down to Captain America looking after, you know, quote unquote American things. Then you've got Spider-Man, who's like all of New York City. And then you've got, you know, Daredevil micromanaging the hell out of three blocks in, in Hell's Kitchen. So, you know, it, it, it's nice to see them taken out of that, out of their normal element. Yeah. And uh, fun film. The, the cast is still great. Um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio mm-hmm. uh, did a great job. It's interesting. He almost played Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. At one point, it looked like Tobey Maguire would have to bow out of the Raimi films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the top name to replace him was uh, Gyllenhaal. But uh, Tobey didn't have to bow out. So, uh, you know, Jake instead gets to come in as uh, Mysterio, which is the character that most people assume that every time Bruce Campbell showed up in the original series, <laughs> that he was actually Mysterio. Interesting. Okay. Um, there is a, I won't give it away what it is, but there's something that happens in this movie where people say, hey, can that be the new through line since we don't have Stan Lee cameos anymore? <laughs> Uh, one little classy bit. So the movie ends with a dedication not just to Stan, but to Steve Ditko, who uh, yeah. passed away over a year ago. Yeah. Uh, so that they got both creators of Spider-Man uh, Good. credited. Good. In uh, in their memoriam at the end, and yeah, this also, for, you know, again, I won't give away full spoilers, but uh, this movie does look at the ramifications of. Okay, Endgame happened. Uh, so how is the world dealing with the ramifications of that? Good. And and that does get discussed. Good. So, uh, yeah. No, other than that, I mean, it's exactly what you expect. It's I would say it's probably a mid-tier MCU movie, which means it's better than 90% of what's being put out by most studios, including Disney. Yeah, well. And I, I'll tell you one I did not see, Aladdin. Yeah, no. That... Although I'm hearing re- uh, reports that it's better than ex- you would expect. That doesn't say much for me. I, this whole phenomenon of the, the, the live action remakes is, is just kind of lost on me. I, I've always enjoyed Disney. I've, I've, you know, I grew up with it and all that. But it's just, it, it, it's kind of fallen flat. I mean, part of me, now, that said, I will walk through snowdrifts with with barbed wire wrapped around my bare feet for traction uh, to go see the new live-action Little Mermaid, just to make sure that it makes good box office numbers, just so that the haters will twitch even more than they already are. So that's kind of a... All right. But that's just me. So let's look at what we got. So the first of the live action remakes I can think of is Beauty and the Beast. Yes, with uh, Hermione. With, yeah. And um, what I heard from people that did see it is the auto-tune was obvious and annoying. Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, with Aladdin, I guess the, the, a lot of people, the, for them, the biggest problem was... You have Will Smith trying to follow in the footsteps of Robin Williams. And I again, I love Will Smith. He's done a lot of good things. Those are two very different sorts of people. Yeah. With The Lion King coming out, the biggest complaint I'm hearing is that it's like when Gus Van Zant made Psycho. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's, that's, that's a remarkably good way of putting it. Because it's we're replacing animation with... CGI. You're not having live action. It's just CGI. It's a different form of animation doing the exact same story. Yep. Uh, Little Mermaid. I think the issue with Little Mermaid, obviously, it's the the you know in everyone's used to Ariel now as the pale redhead. Yep. From the earlier animated movie, so everyone's got going. Go back to the source material, and the best response <laughs> is so the source material where her feet bled all the time, 
because it hurt because she wasn't used to legs and she lost her voice because the sea witch ripped out her tongue and she doesn't in the the prince falls in love with another woman and you know she refuses to murder him to retain her humanity and dies becoming foam on the sea yes uh or or do you mean the part where it was really a very uh, uh, heartfelt love letter of unrequited love from Hans Christian Andersen to the man that he could never have because homosexuality was frowned upon? Details. But I mean, this, this is you know, this is my do not do do not come to me with saying you know respect the source material when you think the source material was the first animated movie. Yes, all I have to say, I. I, all I will say to this, to those who are upset about Ariel being portrayed by someone other than, I don't know, the Wendy's mascot, um, die mad about it. It's okay. Disney put out how many princess movies before they got to Tiana? <laughs> yeah. I, I've got one better. Uh, Mulan. Scarlett Johansson? No. Oh. With Mulan. So so one of the problems Disney had with the Mulan movie was audience in China were very upset because Mulan's a cultural hero. Yes. And they took all those liberties and they're like, uh. so Disney has decided the Mulan live action is, will have nods to the animated film. Okay. But will instead be a more straightforward telling of the Mulan story. So they are sticking with the source material. They are going back to the source material. Okay. And they are basically doing it as a Wuja film. Nice. Michelle Yeoh plays her mother. Okay. The sergeant training her is Donnie Yen. Excellent. And the Emperor of China is Jet Li. This file this under shut up and take my money. Yeah, they are like, <laughs> oh no, no. Well, part of it is so the Chinese audience wasn't happy about the animated, so let's make a live action version that the Chinese audience might be happy with. Yeah, I think so. Um, and and frankly, I'm like, as 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 a pasty white American, take my money. Yes, I I I am so there. You've you've got three of my favorite Hong Kong actors in one film. Yep. Um. So, and, and the fact that it's Donnie Yen and Jet Li in a movie together again, even if they're not going to have a fight scene, most likely. Um, eh, you never know. But uh, still, I'm just like, sure. No. So, I, so the trailer came out. And it is so clearly, I mean, the way they play it is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sue Hark might have done this in his heyday. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. Yep. Sure. Sure. I, I will see this movie. Good. So, that, that's kind of, so, yeah. this. The, so, with the live action remakes, it's the... You know, you've got one, the, the oh, stick close to the material. Oh, we don't like it. You stick too close to the material. Oh, wait, you're changing it. We don't like it. I actually saw something good today on Back to the Little Mermaid. Mm. Uh, if you want to stay true to the source material, then uh, the uh, uh, Eric should be played by Ruby Rose. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's, yeah. Anyway. Hey, if, if we're doing dream casting here, I saw somebody put forth Tyler, or not Tyler Titus Burgess for uh, Ursula, and I will pay cash oh, money to I, see I, that. I would pay cash money to see that, and Idris Elba as King Neptune, or or Samuel L. Jackson, or Trident. Or I, forget, I forget her father's yeah. name, but, but but yeah, Titus Burgess for uh, uh, for. Well, the fact that Ursula. he's actually done poor, unfortunate thing on stage. Oh yeah. No, I would I would totally totally be there for that. Uh, all right, so so I think. Really, that exhausts movies yeah. for, for for this day. Um, here's the weird thing on TV, though. So I'm uh, with a lot of stuff going on. I've been playing catch up with a lot. I wouldn't of, know a single thing about that. And yeah. so I'm not I'm not caught up with all of the newer things that have been on Netflix. I mean, there was Umbrella Academy that, that we've been we've talked about Sabrina. I have not watched the new season of Jessica Jones, which dawned on me. I have not watched any of the Marvel Netflix series since the end of Luke Cage season two. Well, you made it further than I did. I did not watch Iron Fist season two, Daredevil season three, and I have not watched Jessica Jones season three. And I, I'm, I, with 
with Iron Fist, it was just I wasn't happy with the first season. Yeah. Well, with Daredevil, I just never got around to it. And Jessica Jones, I just haven't got to it yet. I just today, to show you how far behind I am, I just today started watching The Tick. Okay. Season then. two on Amazon Prime. Um, I have not yet sat down with Stranger Things because my wife and I need to coordinate our schedules because if I watch that one without her, I'm in trouble. Yes. Uh, I only just finally caught up with the CW, the the f- end of the season of the CW shows. Well, and didn't you also, fi- you said you just finished uh, Good Omens. Good Omens. So that was the one where I was like, I was, I just kind of flat out told my wife, you can catch up with it later. Yep. Uh, I am watching Good Omens. Uh, that one I had to because I knew that within my circle of family and friends, everyone else would be talking about it. And even though I don't think I can necessarily be spoiled on a book I've read so many times, uh, I, I still had to see it. Okay, I'm just going to lovingly call you out on this. Your sister has Neil Gaiman on speed dial. I, think. I wouldn't say it's not on speed dial. <laughs> But he will answer her emails and retweet her. Yes. So, you know, there there is a relation. She was his... his um, Minder? Minder at the year he was at, a guest at NorWestCon. They, they, you know, they are acquainted. <laughs> I, I would not say speed dial. They are acquainted. Um, but the point is, yeah. So, so here was some of the things I was thinking, though, watching Good Omens. I mean, uh, first thing is anyone who is familiar with the book knows that in part it is, while not overt, is got elements that are a send up of the movie The Omen. Okay, yes. Uh, particularly with the, everyone thinking that the Antichrist is the son of a U.S. diplomat and arranging for him to be in the Middle East on the appointed time and then not understanding why things aren't going on because he's just some mortal kid. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> elements obviously had to be cut out. Of course. Um, that's just adaptation. Other elements were um, enhanced from the book because it just worked better on screen. And this is, I think, the smart thing with, especially having Neil involved, is him knowing, okay, I need to beef... I, I, well enough versed in media to know what would have to be pulled back because it worked better in book form than TV, but what could be brought forward exactly. because the, the reverse is also true. I also love the, because Neil firmly sit himself down as showrunner and producer, when other people tried to tell him, well, if we do this thing this way, we can do it for less money. And him sitting and thinking, what would Terry's reaction be? Yes. And if any of those reactions involved four-letter words, then he would say those same four-letter words to said producer. um, For people familiar with the book, uh, there's a character, Agnes Nutter. Yes. The the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Which? Which. And a prominent scene in the book is when, um, back in the day, they burn her at the stake. <laughs> and yes. they filmed that scene. They filmed the heck out of that scene. Excellent. The uh, Early on producers wanted to do it as a series of woodcuts. Ah. And Neil realized, no, Terry would want that scene in. So, no, we are going to film that sequence. And they hired... Wonderful British actress, uh, Josie Lawrence. Okay. If you've ever seen the British Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, you would know who she is. Anyway, wonderful actress, plays Agnes. It's a beautiful sequence. It's a blast. It really is. (laughs) Um, I know some people got really mad at things like uh, the narrator is explicitly God. Well, and isn't it it Francis McDormand? And it's Francis McDormand, who is just spot on perfect. (laughs) I mean, mean, what are they going to do? Alanis Morissette was busy? I mean... (laughs) Really, it was like, that was... There were so many smart casting moves in this whole series. That's one of them. Another is... So Adam and Eve... This is Mm -hmm. part of the controversy. Because people will find reasons to be a butthurt. Adam and Eve, first off, 
were played, I'm pretty sure, actual Africans. Oh, not that. Uh, the, the cradle of, of humanity is Africa, and they're played by Africans. Not just that. Uh, not mo uh, healthy. Healthy. Not, not overweight, not underweight. Healthy. Healthy, looking people strong strong healthy yes you know robust look like they just got created by the hand of god right so uh but not wayfishly thin eve ah is the point i'm making all i'm saying is no really that works for me yes. um which means it doesn't work for a lot of other people but i mean i'm looking at this cast even in bit parts they got some significant i mean nick offerman Yes. From who many people will know uh, gloriously from Parks and Recreation plays the American diplomat who have, who is supposed <laughs> to be the father of the Antichrist. So he's not in a lot of the show, oh. but it's Nick Offerman. Exactly. So he'll steal every show he's seen he's in. Yeah. And so John Hamm is, is a surprisingly well done uh, casting as the angel Gabriel. Okay. Who becomes much very prominent in in this version? Uh, a, I mean, incredibly handsome man, and a huge fan of the original novel. And you know, when he heard it was going up, told his agent, "If you can get me on this at all," and they're like, "How would you like a prominent role?" He's like, I, "I'll take any role." Gabriel, done. Yeah. But I let's mean, let's. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, to be truth to tell, I have not made it. Th I have not watched Good Omens, but truth to tell, Angel Gabriel will always be Tilda Swinton in my heart. You know that is true, uh, and we can. You know, I, I need to get some people to hold that thought because I would like to talk about the movie Constantine here in a in a few minutes, but because it'll tie in with something else. But, um, all right, are you familiar with a, an actor, Jack Whitehall? The name rings a bell, but only barely. He's a British stand-up. He's done a few things. He was supposed to have a voice in Frozen, and it got cut. Uh, he does a whole stand-up routine based on that. Uh, he plays the Witchfinder Private, uh, um, and his ancestor, who gets gets uh, an encounter with with uh, Agnes. Uh, he's fine, but he gets all a lot of his scenes with Michael McKean. Nice. As the Witchfinder Sergeant. And Michael McKean as in as in Spinal it, Tap? Spinal Tap. I, I mean, love it. And it's like, okay, so I've always maintained that Michael McKean, uh, Michael McKean has been a part, he's a comedic genius. Yes. In my opinion. He was one of the cast members of Clue, which was oh, yes. which was a movie just full of comedic geniuses. And, you know, he's come a long long way from Lenny. Uh, Laverne and Shirley. Yes. But it's just, you're watching this movie, I mean, you're watching the show and anytime he's on screen, you can, you know, it's just, he's doing something brilliant because he's been doing this funny stuff forever and a lot of his scenes are opposite Miranda Richardson. And if he can hold up to her? <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, it's Michael McKean and Miranda Richardson. Yes. <laughs> and, and and that doesn't even get into obviously the the core of the show, which is Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Yes, the 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 one thing that I that I will just just I will I will stick stick my foot out there, and we then we can pull it back and go somewhere else. All right. Let us look at the casting, writing, and directorial beauty and wonder that was American Gods. Sure. Let us look at the casting, writing, and directorial beauty that is Good Omens. Mm -hmm. And people are still worried about the Sandman movie, the Sandman series. Well, sure. I think part of that is there will always be knee-jerk. It, it would be very easy to screw up. Oh, yes. But if Neil keeps his hands as tightly in as he did Good Omens, we should be okay. And while we're on that, I've got another role for Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Desire. She'd be perfect. Yes. I mean, just dead on perfect. Yes. But anyway, back to, to Good Omens. So mm -hmm. I, I had maintained, I, I might have even said it in a previous episode, with with 
Tenet and Sheen, either one could have played either character. Yeah. Well within either's range. It's, uh, it's like those, uh, there have been a couple times with uh, Frankenstein where the two main actors will switch roles on opposite nights. Yeah, this could have easily happened with, with good old, but still it was just, just perfect and just perfect pitch. And um, the, yeah, it, uh, all I'll say was, is Good Omens is probably one that's going to stick for a while. But in the end, all this great casting, all everything, you're still dealing with a wonderful story. Yes. And the, the effort, there's a beautiful um, little short that will probably be released on the DVD of Neil Gaiman and then uh, a gentleman, I believe his la- it's Rob, and I believe his last name is Stuart. I could be wrong. Anyway, he was Terry Pratchett's assistant forever. Rob anybody? He, well, but but the point is they have a t- and it's the the discussion of the the effort to preserve Terry's work oh, yeah. and vision and part of that is uh Neil talked about what it was like to write with Terry Pratchett and how he could give him something that was good and then Terry would add like four or five words. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it would become amazing. Um, there's a, a thing happening right now. It's it. This happens. I notice every once in a while, we'll start shooting through some social media again. There is that quote from Hogfather. Oh, about we, we need, we need, Things to be, we, need. we need to believe in things to be human. Yes. You know, where the falling angel meets the rising ape. Uh, it's making the rounds again. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's just because that, is, as somebody pointed out, this isn't just the best line out of a Pratchett book. This isn't just the best line out of a, a fantasy novel. This may be one of the best uh, passages in literature. Oh, yeah. I, that I would not argue with. That is something that w- that that in previous ages would be embroidered and hung over a mantelpiece. It mm-hmm. is practically should be considering. I realize because again, I started reading Pratchett pretty young. Oh yeah, and I mean around high school. And I'm, it's hard to remember when every single thing came in, but I'm pretty sure I got Hogfather got its hands in me pretty early, and the realization of how much of my current philosophy on life could be traced back to not just Pratchett's writing, but perhaps that actual passage. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And frankly, it's something that's needed right now. Yeah. Because we need to believe in things like justice and mercy Mm -hmm. and times like these. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, between that and then Patton Oswalt, who's probably... Uh, encapsulated my philosophy in 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 the fewest words possible. Hmm. It's all chaos. Be kind. Yep. Um, that uh, yeah. So anyway. Um, oh, all right. So anything else on Good Omens from you? Uh, all I will say is is I am amused by the people who are desperately trying to pin Neil Gaiman down. Um, good luck with that. Um, by trying to force his hand and have him say that. Aziraphale and Crowley were a couple or were lovers. And it's like, okay, let us just pause for a moment. You and I have been friends for rapidly approaching 20 years. Yes. I was going to say, we worked out today. You moved to the area Uh, about 18 years ago. 18, 19 years ago, yeah. And you and I had met, uh, met... Within a month of me being well, there. prior actually the May before, okay, we had met, uh, but we really did start hanging out shortly after you moved here. So we've certainly been we started we started our friendship about eighteen years ago. Okay, let's let's say that. Well, let, so let, so just, just to give people a timeline of how long we've been we've been together and that we still like each other's company. Yes, and you and I, among other things, have had dinner. Once a once a week, for about that long. I mean, with some hiatuses and with some extended pauses and whatnot. But for all intents and purposes, fairly regularly, at least I would say, if you average it all out, twice a month for eighteen years. Yeah, sure. Okay. Fair enough. How long ago was it 
that we were mis- we were first mistaken for being a couple. At least 15 years ago. Exactly. At least 15 years ago, people thought, well, aren't you dating Daniel? No, Daniel and I are both fairly heterosexual. Not that we have any issue, no. but it's just kind of where we landed on the Kinsey scale. Yes. Negative numbers on the Kinsey scale for both of us. But it's But beyond that, all I'm saying is... By virtue of us hanging out and talking and loving and doing the things that we do for three years, people were willing to accept that we were in a partnership together. Sure. Let's extrapolate that times 2,000. Sure. I mean, if you if one believes the story as it is written, Aziraphale and Crowley have known each other for something like 6,000 years. And, of course, they're going to squabble like an old couple because they are an old couple. Dear God, if people listen to you and I talk sometimes. Oh, huh. still, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so, fair. Uh, all right, so I wanted, you, you'd mentioned uh, Tilda Swinton. Oh, yes. So I, I wanted to, to roll back for a second. So um, I had mentioned earlier I caught up on all the CW shows. Yes. And one of those shows, uh, Legends of Tomorrow... Uh, features Matt Ryan repraising his uh, role as John Constantine from the Constantine series. Okay. Now, Matt Ryan's performance as Constantine is fairly spot on to how he was presented in the Hellblazer series. Okay. Maybe not necessarily how Alan Moore originally wrote him in uh, Swamp Thing, but certainly for how he was depicted in his own comic series um with which always is put in stark contrast to the Constantine movie starring Keanu Reeves uh and Tilda Swinton and of course our favorite Lucifer ever on uh the big screen oh yeah Peter Stormare yes uh and Rachel Weisz she's awesome too well she's awesome too but the point is that the movie Constantine is, in fact, a good movie. Yes. The only reason it gets derided is that since it was based on Hellblazer and it took so many liberties with the story that you're like, well, that's not John Constantine. But the fact is, if you can divorce it from being based on the comic book and just look at it on its own... It's an excellent film. It's a lovely and wonderful film, yeah. I would go so far. The the other thing to flip on is, while we're on this train, the uh, television series that is now appearing on Netflix that we've talked about before, Lucifer. Oh, yes. Based on the comic book Lucifer that is a spinoff of Sandman. Yes. Where, again, they've taken multiple liberties... From the source material, but I can divorce from that because the show itself is so good. Oh yeah. I I guess the point is you don't have to be a faithful adaptation to be a quality adaptation. Exactly. This did lead an interesting quote from Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was looking at, huh? So I'm looking at what are the top shows on streaming services, and in the top four are two shows based on ideas I had as a 26-year-old. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, hey, your ideas, not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you think about it. I mean, it, 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 it popped up in my Facebook memories just recently, so it has to have been well over a year ago. But the whole idea that uh, there was a quip that got made that Thanos from Endgame and Marvel whatnot, uh, was in originally doing it because he was trying to woo the physical embodiment of love. Mm-hmm. Death. Death, pardon me. Uh, physical embodiment of death, to which I said it was the 90s. We blame Neil Gaiman. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, even though I want to actually say that that aspect of the Thanos character uh-huh. started in the late 70s. All right. Might have actually inspired Neil, for all we know. Now, Neil specifically said that his original idea was rooted in, it's a Middle Eastern belief that the angel of death is so beautiful 
that when you see them, your soul gets sucked out of your eyes. Fair enough. Which I I with the game and I believe it. It's like okay, check done. Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah. Plus, plus with Thanos, it was meant to be creepy. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What's interesting is that one of the reasons they probably couldn't do that is everyone went going. You're just ripping off gaming. <laughs> exactly. It's it's always that hard thing when you're you're doing something that's based on older material, and. People will make a again that, that apocryphal D and D story, but I'm also thinking. I was having a discussion with somebody recently about the movie John Carter. Oh uh, yes, and whatever other issues, including the fact that it should have also had of Mars in the title, but the fact that a lot of reviewers called it derivative. <laughs> but they, the things they were listing it was derivative of are like you're listing things that John Carter the novels inspired yeah it's your so what you're saying is it's being derivative of itself yep Uh, which to me was i blame the marketing department for not playing up the fact of this is the original pulp hero yes you know you could have easily pointed out that this was the inspiration for superman star wars flash gordon you know list goes on and on of all the things that took nods from a buck rogers yeah from John Carter. Uh, but no. And so it gets labeled as derivative. And we don't get those great Barsoom stories told because... Eh. But then again, I'm also bitter about Dread. But that's a whole other story we'll talk about some other time. Andra? What? Andra! See, the, again, that's the problem of people think about the Sylvester Stallone movie. Exactly. But they don't look at the great movie Dread starring Carl Urban which was true to the comic book and, frankly, a really good movie. It was hyper-violent, though. Like I said, true to the comic book. Still, that one I, I didn't Okay, but that, that's you. You, you, have a, you have a different tolerance for violence than I, know, I do. I know, I know. So, uh, because, you know, I'm, an old, I'm, a, I'm a bad man uh, uh, as far as being a horror movie fan. Uh-huh. We talked about earlier that I used to go, you know, when, when Tony and I would see the slasher films, mm-hmm. um, we would keep a count. Yeah. And we would rate the kills. As well you should. Including one when we saw Jason X, Jason in space. Uh, one of the things we said, uh, we really can't give that kill to Jason. That person killed themselves. They were, we, we can give Jason an assist because they killed themselves because they were terrified of Jason. Mm-hmm. But Jason didn't get that kill. Uh, and then there was one where it was like, oh, oh this is going to be, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a boring kill. And then all of a sudden something happened and Jason did something really, and it's like, why did we doubt? Jason's yes. a, Jason's a professional. He takes pride in this craft. Exactly. Anyway, I'm, sorry. I'm going off on a Jason tangent. Uh, although, okay, let's let's do a pivot. Uh, Anything maybe. else on uh, TV before I do this? Uh, TV, TV, TV. No. no All right. No, All much. right. Uh, we could keep with the Neil Gaiman's theme for just a moment All if right. you want. Uh, I just finished uh, Trigger Warning. Oh, how is it? Uh, remarkably good. I'm also biased because... Tell people what oh, Trigger Warning is. Trigger Warning is a collection of short stories by Neil Gaiman. Uh, I double bonus because I heard it on the audio and he records the, the stories himself. Yeah. Uh, most of the stories in this collection are have a more horror-esque bent to them. Um but that said, there is also an extra uh, American Gods Shadow Moon story in there uh, and a couple other things, including a part, uh, a, a story that if they don't give it to Peter Dinklage, it will be a crying shame. Um, well, uh, I, I, I think he's free for more work right now. He is. so Unless uh, he gets involved in the next Thor movie. Which could you never know? I heard that hammering at the end. It, I thought that's what yeah. I thought. So, um, uh, moving on to video games. Okay. Um. So way back, I had told you I had been playing this game called Dead by Daylight. Okay. Which is a uh, a, a player versus player game where one player plays a slasher style killer. Or a, a supernatural, and some of which are licensed characters, uh, and then four other players play the victim trying to escape them. All oh, right, the 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 four and one, I, right? I, 
And uh, you know, so so in the license game, it, for example, they have uh, they just introduced Ghostface from the Scream movies. Okay. But they've had uh, Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and Leatherface. Ghostface Killer was not available, but um, no bump. And uh, uh, although they do have uh, a one of one of the killers from Saw. Okay. Is is in it, but um, there was at the about the same time this game came out, there was a rival game came out, a licensed. Friday the 13th game. Okay. Now, this game had a similar premise in that it was all live players, one player playing Jason, and then seven players playing the camp counselors. And um, a long rivalry about which movie, which game was better. A lot of the Dead by Daylight fans were mad that it existed because that meant they couldn't get actual Jason in Dead by Daylights. Oh, well. Friday the 13th, I'll wear a better game because the goals are different. It's, it, But uh, it ended up losing, uh, having problems because it turned out there were some questions about the if the people who licensed Jason for the game had the right to license Jason for the game. Fascinating. So okay. the, a lawsuit came up. So they, so they, the even scarier character arrived, lawyers. Yes. So so they weren't suddenly no longer able to create new content for the game. Of course, um, they've done bug. So the game still exists. It still has servers. People still play it. The reason I bring it up is I I had noticed it, but considering how you know Dead by Daylight eventually left a bad taste in my mouth. Um. Coppery. Yeah. I wasn't about to jump in on a Friday the 13th game. Sure. So Steam just had a sale where they were selling it for four bucks. Eh. I had four bucks in my wallet. I mean, literally in my Steam wallet. So, ah, what the heck. So I grabbed it and I played around with it for a bit. And it's like, uh, maybe I had just gotten used to Dead by Daylight. Um, It's it's a fine game. Uh, The graphics seem a little outdated, but it is a few years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I will give it over Dead by Daylight. Okay. Well, the one thing I will give it over Dead by Daylight for sure is they have an offline mode where you can play Jason and the counselors are all AI. Oh, okay. So you're not playing against other humans. It's just you get to play Jason using all the powers you get in the regular game, mm-hmm. but you're going out against AI counselors. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So... Uh, just because I was talking about Jason earlier, I thought I'd you know, bring it. Full. Eh, I tried it out. Uh, it's okay, but it's not anything where I'm going to go. Oh, I, I think I'm going to go play this, and I think I'm going to play it online with real humans. Yeah, no. Um, however, I do want to do a little follow up mm-hmm. to something we talked about last episode. So last episode, I had mentioned that I had discovered the uh, Twitch community around the WWE 2K19 game, the wrestling game. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So as a reminder of people who don't necessarily want to go back, uh, basically there's community on Twitch. So so on Twitch, which is, of course, the gaming streaming service, you'll find a lot of people playing many different games. In fact, in fact you can still find people daily live streaming Friday the 13th. Oh, okay. Uh, they don't have big audiences. Well, uh, you can find people with big audiences streaming Dead by Daylight. Huh. But uh, one of the other games you'll find streaming for is the WWE wrestling games. Yes. Now, some people do the classic, oh, we're just playing with the regular wrestlers, whatever. Here's me playing the game. Some people, on the other hand, po- take advantage of the fact that you can create your own wrestlers. Yeah. And this community I found, uh, Multiverse Nexus Wrestling. Uh, is all about people creating characters and then sharing them. And then the people who run the game, including the main the main person is, uh, the Twitch site is Takahata101. He runs what is known as the main show, and then other people play variations. Um, twice a week, he runs uh, where he takes all these characters that people have created. And the rule is... Each character that's playing in the game has been submitted by somebody who views the stream or is part of the community. Right. So it's com- it, it is literally a community-built thing. Yes. Right. And then he just puts them in, turns on the AI, and let go. Yes. And he does the, the, the play-by-play. He does the commentary himself. Yeah. So uh, what had been happening is uh, 
people would discover the community, like myself, would go, well, I'd like to have a character in that game, like myself. But what where they were running into is it had become so popular that um, Takahata Kurt, it's actually, his real name is Kurt, that Kurt had uh, run out of room. Yeah. He, he had filled every slot you could have. So for new characters to cycle in, old characters had to cycle out. And there are people who'd been waiting months to have a character debut on the show. Yeah. And I did have a character made. I had some people help me uh, work on it, that it worked well. And I'd put it in the submission uh, funnel. But I knew, oh, it could be months before my character shows up. So due to the popularity, one of the, the guy who is was working as Kurt's color commentary guy, a guy named Edward Bosco, decided to create a second show set in the main uh, MNW universe cool. called Flashbang. <laughs> and what what Edward did, and uh, this, this is a guy, he actually works in Hollywood as a voice actor, has worked on pro- a lot of video games and anime stuff. Mm-hmm. People may have, he, he did a Netflix Godzilla movie. Well, anyway, point is, um, Edward Bosco took all of those characters that were waiting to debut and debuted them on a new show with other characters, and there is interplay between Kurt yes. and Edward's show. Good. So the everyone who had been waiting to debut debuted. That included me. Yay! Now, uh, as of this recording, there's only been two episodes of of Flashbang. Well, but I have. My, I'm particularly proud that my character has featured prominently in both. Excellent. Um, in fact, I was the in the main event in the last episode. Cool. I lost, but Absolutely. but my my story moved forward, and that's what because this is it. It's a lot of the people who get involved get wrapped up. Did my character win or not? No. Other people pay attention to is my story interesting? Ding. So, um, and because. Here's the interesting thing. The WWE 2K game has a, shall we say, robust character. The the game itself is poorly coded. Uh, The AI does funky things sometimes. But in there, for the visual creation of the characters, Mm -hmm. they put a lot of capability into it, including to be able to import some stuff of your own. Cool. So people get really creative with the characters they create. And because it's set up as this is the nexus of a multiverse, mm-hmm. um, one of the longtime wrestlers is an orc. Sure. Why not? Um, one of the current champions is an angel. Okay. Uh, I mean, there are normal kind of yeah. human characters. And I, I want that rep being a horror movie fan. Yeah. Uh, my character is uh, called the Creation. Yeah. He is um, cre- uh, the creation of a mad scientist who sewed together the bodies of dead wrestlers and reanimated them through profane science to learn the secrets of of the multiverse. Uh-huh. So he's a Frankenstein ref. Yeah, I was going to say. He's did, a, does he have bolts on his... No, head? you know, I didn't because there was a whole question of how... Bolts are not something they made easy. But he does have green, green waxy skin, uh, red and yellow eyes. Yeah. He's, he, you look at him and, and it's not hard to go, oh, okay, he's a Frankenstein monster. Exactly. Without being too derivative. Uh, but yeah, and there, uh, one of the other wrestlers is a Sasquatch. So you know, okay. but shout I, out to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, but I mean. the the point is that uh, people have the freedom to create. But then it's how do these stories come together? Exactly. And at times, I think the writing on MNW is actually better than WWE. <laughs> I think in part because the community gets involved exactly. and there's real concern about. Uh, since there's there's actual people involved and it's collaborative storytelling, yeah. in a lot of ways it's one big role playing game. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, if you're interested in checking it out, Twitch TV slash Edward Bosco for Flashbang, the show I'm on. Edward Bosco. How do you spell Bosco? B O S C O. Cool. And um, uh, Twitch TV Takahata 101 
and that is T-A-K-A-H-A-T-A-101. Okay. And, um, yeah, if you want to check those out, it's... With with Bosco, you only have two episodes to catch up on. Um, the the storyline isn't dense. Right now, he's trying to introduce all these characters. First episode, he introduced over forty characters. Oh lord! Uh, well, that's how many people. That's when again you say it was popular. That's how many people had been waiting to. And that's why they decided maybe a second show would be a good idea. Yeah, that just that strikes me as a remarkably long episode. A lot of eight-man matches. Ah, okay. A lot of eight-man matches. As he, he's he's getting the characters introduced, and then he'll start stretching it out so that he'll introduce storylines, and not everyone will show up every episode. Gotcha. Uh, which is kind of what happens with Kurt's show right now. Uh, Kurt's show, on the other hand, I mean, there is um, video of previous episodes available, but it doesn't go back all the way to the beginning. Uh, but it's wrestling. I mean, yeah. people just jump in. You know, I, I jumped in at one point. Storylines were well going. It didn't take me long to catch up on what was happening. Yeah. Jump and then in. To, bring your own folding chair. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know. So, yeah. That's uh, that's just uh, to the point of it's like, okay. I, one of the things my wife had pointed out is, oh, you may have found your community because they have a Discord. How about that? And people are pretty active on talking about their characters, role-playing, doing like promos as their characters. But there's also a, uh, a, it's a really inclusive community. You don't have to own the game to have a character in the, uh, in the show because they have people who own the game that will work with you to create a character for you and then do the submission in your name. That's what I love about when communities are healthy. It's amazing to see, the wonderful creative things that you can get out of it. Oh yeah, and so I went to I actually bought the game, yeah. made my own character and then went to them and said, "Hey, I made this character, can you take a look at it?" Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe in a couple of days I might hear from one of them. Within 5 minutes I had three guys working with me on my character. Nice. Three you know, three guys within 5 minutes and we spent 4 hours. In fact, towards the end Bosco himself showed up and was helping build my character. Nice. So, uh, I mean, and, and there was, was a guy who came in recently. I'm so intimidated. I was like, don't be. I mean, yeah. The the only rule is don't don't just shout out to Kurt or Ed because you know since they're the leaders of the community, they can get really busy, but they'll still show up and talk to you. It's no problem. Oh. Uh, and the rest of the community, and, and yeah, because there's guys. There's like one guy who helped me with the look of my character. He took what I, he, he like kicked it up a notch. Yeah. He took my basic design, added like a few elements and it was like 10 times better. Uh, but the, yeah, it's the, you come in and they'll be like, you know, there's guys right now. The only problem is uh, with the workshoppers, guys are coming in and the guys are like, give me a week. I'm finishing somebody else's character. Yeah. <laughs> but well. still, but yeah, like you said, when you have a healthy community and a supportive, they have an entire section of the discord of just helping people talk out. If they're having a hard time just in life. Hey. You know, it's it's a supportive community. Uh, guys from all over. Guys and gals from all over the world. We say guys because the game doesn't allow male versus female combat. So even the women in the community have male characters. Sure. Although somebody is starting a women's only show. Glow, as, the, as popular as Glow the show has yeah. been, I'm surprised it's taken them this long. So, well, it's been brewing in the background yeah. for a while. So, you know, but yeah, healthy community. So, and it's fun. And if, you know, check it out, uh, you know, or not, you know, if wrestling's, if wrestling's not your bag, you may get lost. Yep. But if you're at all have any fond memories of wrestling, it can be a really fun show. Cool. With that, uh, we're pretty much at time. Yep. So as always, if you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be reached at fanboynewsnetwork.com. You can just leave us a, a, a note in the comment section for the episode. And uh, so probably about a month, uh, Daniel and I had a discussion that we may be revamping our schedule a little bit. Uh, but we'll probably still stay, uh, stick to the one episode a month yeah. schedule uh, and uh, see where we go from there. Sounds good. And as always, you can also find me on the video Nasty Project on YouTube, where I join uh, Tony Case and his his band of nasties. Uh, of, of, I was going to say rogue movie fans to review the movies on the video nasty list. Cool. 
Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, but I hope everyone has a nice summer and you end up at end the 4th of July season with as many fingers as what you started with. There we go. All right. Talk to you all later. Take care. This program is produced by Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network and is copyright 2019 to Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network. All rights are reserved, including rights to copy and redistribute this program. All music in this podcast comes from the footage firm and is used under a royalty-free license. 